Welcome to Restore, a Good Shepherd Bible Church podcast. This podcast is designed to help you better lead or engage with your community group conversation. Each episode will review last week's sermon and probe a little deeper in order to help you process your Christian experience, life in community, and work on mission. Thank you for joining me. This is Restore. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. I hope you're doing well. It's already midweek here, early in the morning, but hope hope God has been encouraging your hearts through the Word and through encouragement with others. We have uh, community groups this week. I'm really excited for that, really excited for you to be able to participate uh, in the life of the church together and uh, plumb the depths of God's amazing grace together. Uh, and I hope, I hope you're able to do that in your in your conversation. Uh, even just sharing a meal can be a gracious act, but I, I do hope you're able to speak of the good things that God is doing in your heart and in your life uh, through through the Word and through prayer. Uh, take some time to pray tonight. Take some time to encourage one another through prayer and lift one another up. I know it feels like there's a lot of things going on this summer, and uh, maybe you feel a little uh, scattered or distant from the church a little bit just because of travels and things like that. To be honest, I kind of feel like that, even coming off of a vacation and uh, weird circumstance at the beginning of this week, and uh, yeah, I just um, looking forward to tonight, and I uh, hope you are too. So we're discussing uh, Acts chapter thirteen, verse thirteen, uh, chapter thirteen, verses thirteen through forty-three, and basically there's 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 really one kind of two things going on here. Paul's traveling, and then he's preaching. Those are the two things he's he's doing that makes up the whole portion of the text we're looking at today. Uh, he he ends up getting to uh, Antioch. And on the Sabbath day, goes into the synagogue and begins to preach. Uh, after kind of being asked if, if there's a message that God's laid on his heart, he begins to preach to this Jewish synagogue. And the content, the entire content of what Paul's trying to proclaim to these guys is that God has always been working through promise in the amazing grace of Jesus. And he gets to the very end, and he's basically going to lay out, listen, God's grace is so amazing throughout history and for you personally that someone's going to tell you this. And he actually quotes a prophet and says, look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish. I'm doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. You're not going to be able to believe this. It's so, it's so good. And the people actually do believe it. The people beg that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath day. And then uh, at the end of verse 43, Paul encourages them, hey, don't just don't just listen this week and don't just listen to the grace of God next week. Continue in this amazing grace of God. And so we, we really spent a lot of time on Sunday kind of discussing this idea of the amazing grace of, of Jesus. And it starts out when, when we are converted to Christianity. I hope you remember that day uh, when you were when you were gloriously converted, when, when you understood your sin and when you understood your need of a Savior and what Jesus 
uh, all that all that Jesus provides for you in salvation. It is amazing grace, isn't it? And you feel like this this wretched sinner, kind of like John Newton. Um, that's you know this amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Uh, I, I I really do hope you remember that day, and that in in one sense it's crystal crystal clear for you. Even if it was a it was a process, uh, it doesn't have to be just one day. It could it could be a process or a time in your life. Um, but it, it's funny because one of the one of the things that happens in Christianity, and it's kind of sad to be honest, is um, the 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 amazing grace of Jesus is amazing at the beginning of Christianity, but then it just, you know, it stops becoming so amazing. It's, it kind of just wears off a little bit, uh, and sometimes a lot of it. And the amazing grace of Jesus kind of stops being so amazing. We needed Jesus a lot at the beginning, but to be honest, if you're real with me, and I'll be real with you, there are times in my Christian experience, I feel like, yes, I needed Jesus back then, but and I'm not going to say that I don't need Jesus now. That would be horrible to say out of my mouth. But functionally speaking, I feel like, all right, Jesus, I've, I thank you for what you've done. I've, I've got it from here. I'll take it from here. Thank you. And, you know, we're, we're thankful for Jesus back there. But as Paul says, we don't, we don't continue in the grace of God. And we don't see the grace of God as being amazing. And this is this is part of what Paul eventually tries to articulate. Yes, it's amazing for your conversion. It 100% is, but we must we must continue in the grace of God. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, and some of the reasons we pick out in this passage is is number 1, um, we see that the grace of God is amazing even in the middle of of ministry disappointment. You you will still need the grace of God and the amazing nature of it even when ministry gets really disappointing. And and Paul leans on this when we see, uh, this is in verse actual uh, 13, Paul and his companions set sail and John left them. And it's a little hidden here, but we have passages like Acts 15, just a couple chapters uh, following, and 2 Timothy 4 that help us to understand that actually, for whatever reason, we don't really know the reason John left, but Paul's not really happy about John leaving, and there's there's even a hint of John Mark. He he kind of abandoned his his post. He was under the wing of Paul. I remember this came up uh, last sermon. Uh, Paul Paul really brought John Mark under his wing and began to help disciple him. And now we see that they hop on a boat, and then the next trip John Mark takes is back to Jerusalem. He's headed home. And Paul's not really happy about it and has a hard time kind of coming around to trust John Mark until later on in his in his life when actually Paul would say John Mark's actually pretty helpful. Um, but you can see sometimes ministry is really disappointing. And I I will disappoint you. I probably already have disappointed you. And, and you will disappoint me. You probably already have disappointed me. And, you know, it's like this, this is the nature of who we are. We are disappointing people, to be honest. We, we really have a hard time keeping our end of the bargain. Um, we, we don't do well in mixed groups. That's just how life is. Though we are better in community, we certainly exasperate the, the kind of fallenness and brokenness that we, uh, that we bear. And we do that in community as well. And, um, ministry is going to be disappointing. Your community group might be actually disappointing tonight. 
But yet, throughout all of it, there's still this ministry that Paul pursues, and Paul banks, really banks on the amazing grace of Jesus that it's enough even when ministry is not. Even when people disappoint, Jesus himself is still enough. Paul felt like he could move forward even though he had lost uh, a, a kind of a soldier in the arms there. And, and so grace is amazing even in the middle of ministry disappointment. Uh, Paul goes on in his, his, the first part of his sermon, and he really describes that grace is amazing throughout all of salvation history. God has always been at work to save by amazing grace. And it wasn't just at the beginning. It was throughout all, all of Israel's crazy history. Uh, and it's, it's drawn out here in, in his sermon. He, he kind of goes from uh, the beginning of, uh, of Israel's history. He, God chose our fathers, and and by the way, we know this is all about grace because if you look at the verbs, we talked a lot about the verbs on Sunday. Who who's doing the verbs? God chose our fathers. God made the people great. He led them out. He put up with them in the wilderness. He destroyed seven nations. He gave them their land as an inheritance. He gave them judges. He gave them Saul. He raised up David. He gave them a king. God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, just as He promised. God has been doing all of this stuff by promise. It's been by amazing grace that Israel had this salvation to even speak of, uh, to even hear. And uh, God sent this message of salvation to them, and, and uh, later they would reject it, and they would actually put him to death. And look at the, look at the verbs of Israel. Look at Israel's verbs. Uh, verse 27, they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath. They found him guilty. They asked Pilate to have him executed. They carried out his. Uh, they carried out all that was written of them. They took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. And then we're back to God's verb. But God raised him from the dead. So even in the midst, so look at if you look at the verbs, God has always been working by amazing grace. Israel's verbs include really rejection and hostility to God's amazing grace, and yet God's grace has super abounded even in the middle of great sin, even in the middle of horrible sin, really, murderous sin, um, total rebellion against God and his grace. But God raised him from the dead. God's promises still worked. And he appeared, and we're just simply witnesses of that. And he put, he, he's going to quote um, Psalm 2, Isaiah 55, and Psalm 16 as ways of uh, really clarifying that God has always been at work through his amazing grace to bring Jesus from the dead. That's, that's astonishing. It's amazing. And so now we get to see uh, in the third point. So grace is amazing throughout all of salvation history as well, but grace is also amazing for you. It's amazing for you. Let's bring it home. Let's bring it personal. This is what Paul does here in the, at the end of his sermon. He says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, verse 38, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. All of your sins. All of your sins totally forgiven. Um you won't find more amazing grace than that. And even as you hear this, the temptation, and it'll naturally happen. I think because we're just so broken people, you're like, yeah, 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 I, I know my sins are forgiven. Yeah, next. Like, ne roll on, next. Like, of course. And we don't actually understand what that means. We don't, we don't understand that the judgment we feel on a daily basis from ourselves, from others, from from the word, even even from the law, all, all those things like those are all silenced. Satan himself silenced. Why your sins are forgiven? 
There's nothing standing between you and God. There, there's no sin that that is is right now. God is like staring at and saying like, you know what? I just, I really would love to love that person, but I, I just can't. Here's that sin. I, I can't, I can't do it. Your sins have been forgiven. I, and I don't care if they're like past sins, the ones you can't get over, the, the present sins, ones you're still struggling with, or future sins, one you don't even know about. It, they're all forgiven. Through Jesus, there is this amazing grace. It sounds too good to be true. You really have to like let it sink in. Even if I tell it to you, you're going to have a hard time believing it. So, so pay attention. Don't, just like the prophet said, don't, don't underhear this. Beware lest what is said, uh, said in the prophet should be said about you. That they underheard the goodness of the gospel. Don't underhear it. But also verse 39, And by him, everyone who is freed from everything from which you could not be freed, by the law of Moses. By him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed from the law of Moses. I, I talked, I don't really actually like this, this translation here. The word freed is actually justified in, in Greek. There's, I don't know. I don't really, I really don't know why I, I didn't find any explanation as to why ESV translators translated it that way. Almost every other translation says justified. And that's, that should be the, that should be the word unless I'm clearly missing something. I, I don't understand. But it's it's still the same idea. I, I wish he would have. I mean, justified. This is this is near Galatia, so this is really the beginning of Paul's under or Paul's clarification, especially to the church in Galatia. Uh, this idea of justification—it's a big deal in Paul's theology. It's a big deal in Christianity. Um, but justification, like like justification, is how we are set right. And this idea of justification is the bedrock, or as Luther said, it's the capstone of theology. Without this, I mean, everything else kind of crumbles around us. How are we set right before God? Well, everyone who believes is justified from everything from which the law of Moses could not set you free from, could not justify you. The law of Moses can tell you what freedom looks like. The law of Moses can articulate what justification looked like if you were able to attain it, but you weren't and you aren't. And so the law cannot justify you. The law can't set you right. The law can't give you something to look on and say, see God, this is what I have. You have nothing. In accordance with the law, even the right things that you are doing are still nothing in comparison, really worse than nothing, rejectable because of what God's law actually demands that you bring forward. You cannot be justified through the law. You cannot bring anything through a lawful means, through a condition of due, and, and hold it up to the law and say, God, this is what I this is what justifies me. This is what sets me right. This is what makes me feel good before you. This is something I can stand on. No, the law can't do that. Only Jesus and his holy and perfect work can do that, and he has done that for free. Everyone who believes is freed or justified from everything from which the law of God could not, law of Moses could not set you free from. Couldn't do it. But God has done it. This is the amazing grace that's for you. And so really this helps us, the grace of God helps us to look beyond disappointment, to repent of our self-salvation, and to keep staring at the amazing grace of Jesus and let it continue to amaze us. Don't, don't move away from grace, move deeper into it. Don't, don't say, yeah, I've, I've got it. And because the feeling is like, you, you might, you might actually say like, I know my sins are forgiven. Okay. But now like really think about your life. Think about the areas of your life or the parts of your life where you don't feel forgiven. 
or people who come up into your life and point out sin in your life or you maybe even just reflect some aspect of character or thought that is not right. And you might feel like, well, I'm not right. But yes, you are. It's got to keep amazing. It's got to continue. We, we have to continue in that grace. And that's what Paul encourages us. Don't underhear the amazing grace of, of God. And the people begged, man, we want these things to be told next, next Sabbath day. We, we need to hear this again. Yes, you do need to hear it again. Why? Because you need to continue in the grace of God. And that's what Paul is encouraging, with, uh, encouraging us here. Continue, continue in the grace of God. I would be curious. I listed a couple things in the sermon as to what key, what makes the amazing grace of Jesus not so amazing anymore. I listed a couple things. And uh, one of them is like the Christian idea of getting better. I mean, like, honestly, we get better and then we kind of move away from grace. We don't need Jesus anymore. Um, I'd be curious to know, like, specifically for you, what sort of things um, diminish the amazing grace of God in in your life. Uh, let me see if I can find it here. What did I see? Uh, come on. Um, what keeps us? And of course, I can't find it. <laughs> um, sheesh! I literally, I literally can't find it. I'm so sorry. Um, but there are there are things that keep the amazing grace from being so amazing, and one of them is like we buy into our own press. We're good. We're good enough apart from Jesus. We can handle it. Um, and uh, I think life disappointments keep us keep the amazing grace. We, we get so focused on the bad news that the good news just doesn't have a place to shine in our lives, a place to to, to hold in our lives. Um, that's for me. I, I'd be curious to know if you had any thoughts about that, but what keeps the amazing grace from being amazing? And then uh, I, I wonder if there's an aspect of the amazing grace of Jesus that has has amazed you this week. Uh, that would be a good thing to share with your community group. What about the amazing grace of Jesus has amazed you? And you say, I, I really haven't spent time thinking about that, or God's grace hasn't amazed me this week. Um, will you take some time just to pray? Set your heart before God and just say, God, I, I, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to, I want to dive deeper into your grace and, uh, and, and pause, pause, maybe go to the word, read some of your favorite gospel texts, read through this past text, man, you saw it all through salvation history. Um, anyway, I, I trust you guys. Uh, we'll, we'll see you guys for community group and uh, I'll be praying for you and with you, uh, tonight and the rest of the week as, as you go forward. Bye. Bye.